title today's sermon, Holy Women Who Hope in God. And the reality is we all can grow in our hope in God. And I pray that our time in God's word today is a great help to you um, and truly fitting for your hope in the Lord. We're going to spend most of our time this morning in Genesis, but but look at this passage with me. 1 Peter 3, 3 through 6. Peter says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Peter's referring to women, wives, mothers. He calls them holy women, holy women who hope in God. And there's the title for today's sermon. I preached this passage, this text, very thoroughly in the past. You can find it on our podcast. If you need help, email me. I'll help you get to it. If you want a more thorough study of it, it's it's a, a real blessing. A couple quick points we see in the text here before we jump out of it towards Genesis. Number one, these holy women hoped in God. And because they hoped in God, they adorned themselves in a certain way, namely with a gentle and quiet spirit. And by hoping in God and adorning themselves with this spirit of tranquility and peace, they then were joyfully submissive to their husbands and faithful to God's call on their lives, what he designed them for as women and for some as wife or mother and or mother. I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning on the God-given role of the wife to joyfully submit to her husband as God's appointed sacrificial leader of the home. But I'll take a quick moment to point out something the text reveals to us about the God-given role for a wife in something that can be a real struggle. And the Lord said it so, is all the way back to the fall. But notice that Sarah calls her husband Abraham Lord. A Lord is a ruler. He's the authority. Now, think of the fond and deep affections you as a saved saint have for your Lord, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's our utter joy to serve him, to submit to his will for our lives. And it's only our selfish sin that makes war with this, right? Now, I'm not prescribing today, wives, that you need to start referring to your husbands as Lord. But I do want you to really slow to think about why you struggle with that idea so much. Guys, for us, we have to be really careful to think about why we might like that idea so much. Um, because we, we cling to that or like that sometimes in our sinful selfishness for all the wrong reasons to not lead sacrificially in the Christ-like way that he's modeled for us. But for you ladies, surely it is your sin that fights the joyful role of submitting to your husband as the good and right head of the home and of your life. That's God's good design. Even when he's miserable at it, he still gives you that role to live out well 
for his glory. My prayer is that God is honored by both men and women as we are first saved, that's essential, and then sanctified, matured, to fulfill Christ's call on our lives in the home, in the family, in these important ways. Um, Now, back to the passage. Notice the spirit and demeanor of a woman who hopes in God is distinct from the world. Uh, And yet, and here it is, it is precious in the sight of God. Peter's desire is that his blood-bought sisters, to whom he's writing, would follow the example of the holy women of old. And they, and they, in doing this well, would win their unbelieving husbands or friends or even kids to the Lord by their reverence and Christ-exalting behavior and faithfulness. This is my hope for my blood-bought sisters here too. Consider Peter's words with me this morning. One who hopes in God, therefore then is not hoping for their circumstances to change, or they're not hoping in their husband, or in their stuff, or in their body, or in their health. Their hope is in God. And then if that's the case for you, then you have to be grounded in God as the rock of your life. Not just with Christian ease, but truly. You have to be focused on God. And so, when opportunities for distraction or or fleshly rule want to pound on the door of your heart and mind, we need to preach to ourselves. We need to remind ourselves. Like the psalmist does so well in Psalm 42, 5 through 6. Again, men don't tune out. This is a man saying this and good for all of us. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall praise him my salvation and my God, right? I mean, likely what's happened here is some turmoil, some life's not going to plan, some resistance, some injustice, some wrong, some hardship, and there's a preaching of oneself, hope in God. Your hope is in the Lord. And who is he? Your salvation. He is God. In our passage, Peter uses Sarah as his example of a holy woman who hopes in God. I want to look closer at Sarah's life this morning. And like I said, if you want the sermon that's really tearing apart this first Peter three passage, we have it online. I believe we can get you some time with it. Sarah's life testimony is really important because Sarah struggles and she has some great victories too. And I want us to see both sides of that because you're going to relate. And it's important that we understand it. This is not out of reach. This is God's good call in our lives. So before we turn to Genesis, you're in the New Testament, deep in the New Testament, near where you're at, Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the location of what's known as the Faith Hall of Fame, a sweet section of the New Testament where Faith is defined, and then uh, many wonderful examples of men and women are listed in their testimony of how their faith in God went to work. Hebrews 11, verse 1, says this, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. In short, faith is trusting God that he is who he says he is, and he will do what he promised in his word he will do. By faith, we hope in God. And then later in verse 11, Sarah is given as an example 
among other godly people who had great faith. It says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Sarah hoped in God. She looked away from herself, the norms of her human nature. She looked away from her barrenness and her age, and she banked on God to fulfill his promise that she would have a child and be the mother of many nations. Now, this didn't come easy for her, and it didn't come without her struggling in some sin along the way. Look with me at the testimony that we start in Genesis 11. So the very beginning of your Bible, Genesis 11. And look with me at verse 29 and 30. We're introduced here. It's here in this two verses we we see the name of Abram's wife is Sarai. And it says at the end of verse 30 that she was barren, had no child. So a quick side note for clarity as we read these parts of Genesis. Sarah, who we're talking about, her birth name is Sarai. And it's not until God is ready to put his plan for her to have a child into motion that he changes her name to Sarah. Abram's birth name is changed to Abraham right? So Abram becomes Abraham, Sarai becomes Sarah. Same person, okay? That said, not being able to physically conceive children can be a real heartache for a married couple who longs to have a family of their own, a bloodline, a lineage. For men and women who trust God and have faith and hope in God, this can be one of the biggest testimonies of your life where that faith goes to work. Testimony of it goes to work. I've seen this faith among many in our church in marvelous ways over the years in different forms. I want to climb into this for a moment because there's a way that we can hope in God or have faith that is based on God's ability to do what we hope for whether it is the hope to conceive a child or the healing of a loved one or for a situation to get worked out. It's not a bad thing in and of itself to hope that God does the good things we know he can do. Surely, church, God is able, right? Amen? Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. So when we pray, we should trust fully that God is able to do anything. Now listen to this carefully. But our hope in God or our faith in him cannot be fixed only on the fact that he can do what we ask for. But it must also be fixed on trusting his will and plan and timing for what he will do. Let me say that again. Our hope in God, our faith in him, cannot be fixed only on the fact that he can do what we ask for. But it must also be fixed on trusting his will and plan and timing for what he will do. That's so important, church, in our prayer life. That's why I like the little... Um, four words that come out of the, the, the word pray, to praise him, to repent of our sin, to ask him boldly, knowing he can do it, and then to yield, the wise to yield the situation to him. It's best in your hands. But church, this also has to be linked to how we hope in God. Because I'll run into people who are like, oh, I have great hope. I have great faith. Why? Because God can do this. But then that's where they stop. And I go, okay, well, he can. I agree. But what if he chooses to do it different than what you're hoping? Like, you're hoping God's got to still be there for what God will do with it. 
And that's the real source of the peace. Otherwise, I've just made an idol out of the thing that I want him to do. That thing's really the thing I really want, and really God is only the means to another end. Our faith at work must go farther than belief he can do it. It must exercise itself in that we trust the situation to him. That our hope is in his ability to fulfill his promises for his people. That he will deliver us and, and keep us unto himself now and forever. He has us. He will not lose us. Our proper faith in him means that all that he does with us and through us in the meantime belongs to him. And so I trust him. I trust it all to him. It's critical that we hope in God and not just in the momentary things he's able to give us. I was talking with a, a beloved mom in our congregation earlier today about just the reality of the hardships of the journey. Parenting, being a mom, unique to her specifically, more than many know. And I just said, yeah, I realized that there's days where hey, you just want it all fixed to be done, be relieved of the ways it's so hard. But sometimes the Lord answers that prayer and just takes it away. And then you just want it all back. Because really in the end, you didn't want it to be done. You wanted to honor him in it, no matter what it was. I remember approaching the two and a half year mark to try to adopt Piper and still in a system where they could just say, no, she's going to go to someone else. And for almost three years, I've loved this girl like my own. And being so fixed on getting that adoption done. And then it just hit me. I realized that what if the day we adopt Piper and she becomes my legal daughter, Natalie dies. I mean, it's this thing of like arriving at this place that I think I need to be, but it all still belongs to the Lord and I'm not promised tomorrow. My hope has to be in God or I'll be undone. I pray you see the greater purpose and more holy aim of your waiting on the Lord, of your hoping in the Lord, that often it is far better for God's eternal plan and purpose and glory for our lives to remain on their course than to receive the thing that I know he's able to do that I wish he would do. So consider the part of uh, the next part of the testimony of Abram and Sarai, Genesis 12, next chapter one through three. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all, the families of earth shall be blessed. This is the Abrahamic covenant whereby God chose one man of all of mankind to make into a great nation, to give that nation a land and to bless them, and more importantly, set the aim of his eternal blessing on his elect that would come from every tribe, tongue, and nation. The promise was that the Redeemer would come through the lineage, and in Christ, God would extend his greatest blessing to all the nations, to his elect of every tribe, tongue, and nation. God had a plan for Abram and Sarai that would affect all of mankind, and most especially those who he would redeem. Skip ahead to Genesis 15 and see the promise and plan for these two unfold in a particular way. Genesis 15, 1 through 3. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. 
But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless. The heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. A member of my household will be my heir. So Abram and Sarai were ongoingly without a child of their own, even after God promised he would make Abram unto a great nation. So not only did Abram and Sarai have to wait a lifetime almost to have a son, they had to keep waiting after God told them it was going to happen. Not for a couple weeks or a couple months, but like for 25 years. Let that sit for a minute. I mean, we get really impatient when like the food's not warmed up in four and a half minutes, right? And waiting at the DMV for two hours feels like I've wasted my whole life. The next few verses, Genesis 15, four through six, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, God's response. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. He said to him, you shall, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. God tells him to look to the stars. Think of that. The number would be his offspring. Abram and Sarai waited 15 years before God renewed his promise, 10 more years before the promise was fulfilled. Let this be another reminder that God's time, church, is not our time. His time is perfect, and our time is sinfully self-serving. May we grow to learn to wait on the Lord, as we've sung this morning already, by faith. Not saying, I trust you, Lord, but then constantly yanking on the string, trusting him, giving it to him, really waiting. Went camping the last couple of days. Jen's wished for a long time to camp. Um... We have a three-year-old, six children and a three-year-old, so as interesting as you can imagine. And it's just, you know, camping really is only enjoyable if you can just chill out, right? If you're, if you're like constantly needing the next thing to come, it is going to be a long whatever. You just got to learn to chill and enjoy it. Sit by a fire. It's simple. It's a simple life, right? You strip back all the stuff. And it's just so funny to watch that three-year-old just decide he needs something and then beg and beg and you teach him, no, you're going to wait. You'll be patient. And then just to watch him and he's, you know, going to mom and just, just to see him like lean in. He's just like dying. <laughs> I think we relate more than we realize. We're waiting on the Lord. I want you to see the patience, the faith, the hope in God, despite not receiving the child they hoped for for so long. Sarah is credited with great faith in being a woman who hoped in God, as she is in Hebrews 11 and 1 Peter 3. See that this wasn't just for a few months. It wasn't just for a few years. It wasn't just for a few decades. It was for a lifetime and a long lifetime that most of us won't even live. I am hopeful. I've been praying a lot lately for the church, for our church family, and for the ways in which I feel some getting nervously itchy, maybe running out of a little gas, and just really praying for endurance. We'd run the really long race together. We'd get really old together. And not just see our kids, but a couple generations of kids. 
that wouldn't just be about this season, even though God's done amazing things in so many of your lives in the last months and years, but it'd be about decades and a lifetime. That we wouldn't just kind of soak up quickly what we can get and then pack our bags and move on. But we'd overcome the obstacles that we're going to face in our own lives with each other. I want that kind of hope in the Lord. I want that kind of patience. Now that said, Sarai was still at war with her flesh, therefore prone to sin. Genesis 16, we see that she gets outside of her faith and trusting God and her sinful impatience causes her to reason with herself a solution. And I think we do this too. We kind of reason with ourselves. Well, this is kind of going to have some good stuff connected to it. And and we justify that. We're right in our own eyes and we kind of reason with it. But I'm going to kind of skirt skirt the corner. I'm going to go here. I'm not going to think. I'm not going to. She compromises in a pretty major way. She devises a plan to fast-track God's plan to have their heir. She tells Abram to sleep with their servant, Hagar. The wife gives permission to take her as his own and to bear a child so they could raise this heir that would be his. Not only did this usurp God's declared command for them, but it created in Sarai a great bitterness over the whole situation towards Hagar and she did become pregnant and bore a child named Ishmael. Sarah's bitterness was so much that she drove Hagar out of the town, sent her packing. The division that it created, the hurt was was multifold. Uh, the ways our selfish sin just creates damage over, you know, impatience. I just pray we see our sin. We see our impatience. We, we, we see our pride, our lack of faith to trust God's plan, and that we would confess it and not make excuses and not just want to sweep it under the rug, but call it sin. This was sinful. And then to turn from it. And, and really to, to invite others in to be accountable, to, re, to really repent, to honor the Lord. That's where I want to be. Look with me at Genesis 17, a couple more chapters, verse 15 through 21. God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. So Abraham, too, struggles to have faith, right? He, he, he looks at the circumstances. He convinces himself, this is not going to happen. God said, verse 19, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Now I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and multiply greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Abraham's a hundred years old. Sarah's 90. I mean, that is a long life. My mom lived to the age of 60. When I hear of people in their 70s, 80s, that's a long life. 90s, 100, 
we're blessed. We have a number of members in our church who are 100 plus. I pray that when they're near, you love on them, know them, be blessed by them. They're amazing. Abraham's not the only one who laughed. Look at Genesis 18, 10 through 15. Sarah was listening at the tent of the tent door behind him. Not a lot of insulation in those walls back then. Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of, of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, referring to Abraham, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. She said, he said, no, you did laugh. <laughs> Church, is anything too hard for the Lord? The author, the creator, the sustainer of all things, the ruler of all things? the one who designed the womb, the one who designed all these things. Oh, how simple is the mind of man, even when interacting with the one true God who rules and reigns over all things, the one for whom nothing is impossible. Church, do you laugh at the impossible, even in the presence of the one true God at work in your life? Are you guilty of that? Throwing your faith out the window? Or do you trust him? Do you trust his perfect way and will and time? He is able. He is more than able. But that truth can't just be to you like a wizard's wand. It is just another layer of why you rest in him. Trust it to him. Notice that Sarah tried to deny that she laughed. God rebuked her. No, you did. Oh, how quick, church, we are to save safe, to save face in light of our sin. Are we not? We're all still prone to this. Get caught. Don't want to face it. So we lie, we deny it. And then what do we do? We go on a on a road trip of just digging a hole of one lie after another. We don't need to live there anymore. The old man, I get why the old man lived there, but in Christ, you don't need to live there. We need to fight the temptation to, to want to lie about our sin. Instead, we need to confess our sin. Why? So I can turn to the Lord and I can grow. I can honor him. This is our misapplication of the gospel, to lie about what we've done in an effort to put together a better face and to put on a better light for the sake of how we come off to others is to live like you don't have a spiritual cover, is, is to live like you need to keep that face or earn your way. That is to deny the gospel. We need nothing more than Christ. So why am I trying to keep face? Is to throw the gospel away. Church, Jesus needs to be your identity. Not your performance apart from him. So don't lie or live like it's up to you to make sure others see you in a good light. No, you who belong to Christ, are dependent on Christ 100%. This allows you then when faced with sin to agree this is sin. And I hate it too. And I'm going to call it what it is. I act a fool. I was selfish. I was prideful. I was arrogant. I was whatever. I was rude. This is wrong. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Let me turn from it. I want to honor the Lord. My identity is in him. 
May our performance never be more important to us or central to us than Christ's performance in our place. Thankfully, God's promise is not reliant on our performance, amen, nor on Abraham, Abraham and Sarah. God fulfilled his promise according to his plan. Sarah gave birth to her son. She responded, Genesis 21, 1 through 7. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son when he was eight days old, as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. 90-year-old women successfully gave birth to a son. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. She waited a lifetime. She weaned in her faith, yes, she doubted. She simply made her own plans and even responded with disrespectful laughter after hearing the promise of God. But praise the Lord that he is faithful to fulfill his promise even when we are not. Praise God that in his grace he counts those who are unrighteous righteous because of Christ through faith that they put in him alone. See with me that God has redeemed the situation as Sarah's sinful laughter has now turned to joyful laughter because of what the Lord has done. Now back to 1 Peter in the back of your Bible. Hear this passage again. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, the clothing you wear. The keeping face, the keeping up with all the stuff. No, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. Ladies, when you wake up, don't adorn yourself in the ways you think the world wants to see you. It's going to give you credit or value. Don't adorn yourself in the ways your mind is telling you what you're owed or you need to prove yourself or you need to be heard. Adorn yourself in the hope of the Lord unto a, a position, a disposition that is gentle and quiet. It's proper to be a faithful helpmate, to, to serve the Lord well. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Can I just point this out? Some of you hear this phrase I've used all morning, holy women, and you're taking yourself out of the conversation, saying that's not me. And I want you to see the very woman being used by Peter as his example. I want you to see her flaws. All of us struggle with sin. And even when your faith has failed, you can repent, truly turn to God in faith, and go on to be an example for your family, your church, this generation, and beyond. Generations and generations later, Sarah is still an example to us in this. God rebuked Sarah for her laughter of unbelief and reminded her, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the next thing we hear from Sarah is a word of exultation to God when Isaac is born. She gives God the glory for the child. 
So the writer of Hebrews points out that God's rebuke and reminder that nothing's too hard for the Lord helped to restore Sarah's faith and caused her to hope in God again. Sisters, this is my prayer for you today, that today is that for you. Brothers, there's no reason why it can't be that for you as well. That you're reminded that nothing is too hard for the Lord. That even when it is not the Lord's will to do what you want to be done, when you want it done, he is still worthy to be trusted in and praised. And it is right that you wait on the Lord and hope in God alone. Women who hope in God are women who look away from the troubles and misery and obstacles of life that can make their days gloomy and their futures bleak. Instead, they focus their attention on the sovereign power and love of God who rules heaven and does on earth what he pleases for his glory. There is where you fix your attention and your hope. So a a testing question, ladies, is God, is it God who you have truly trusted with your life? Or are you guilty of constantly holding him in contempt because what you really want is not what he's doing? When temptation or strife knocks on your door, do you hope and trust in God or something else? Notice with me something really important that hope drives out fear. Abraham, uh, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. The first point I want to make there is real frightening stuff is happening. So this isn't, this isn't baby stuff, frightening stuff. But the presence of hope in the Lord drives out fear of what is frightening. Women who have Christ in their lives and live in faith are like daughters of Sarah. They're her children. The daughters of Sarah fight the anxiety that rises in the flesh and the mind and the heart, the fear that the flesh so loves to cling to. They wage war on that fear and defeat it with the promises of God. And be blessed by that today. You're not hoping that you find the secret password somewhere along the road and make it through. You're hoping in the established promises of God, in the finished work of Christ, in a God who does not lie and cannot err. That is rock solid in a way that makes the phrase rock solid seem like a terrible metaphor. Yes, following Christ will mean suffering. Peter goes on to say this very clearly later in this very chapter, chapter 3, verse 14 through 15. Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ as the Lord, as holy. Holy women who hope in God take the promise of blessing. They take it through suffering. And they fight fear with the faithfulness of God. Sarah considered him faithful who had promised. That's the testimony of Hebrews 11.11. And they do what Peter says in, in chapter 4 of this letter, verse 19, 1 Peter four nineteen. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God, God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And so I ask you to make it personal this morning. How do you handle setbacks and disappointments and abuses and heartaches and injustices worries and unfaithfulness and calamities and tragedy, painful 
happenings in your life. There's many ways a woman or a mom will suffer in this life. The sad reality of an abusive or oppressive husband or father figure. Media that just soaks your the world you live in with this oppressive, abusive, sinful set of expectations for how you should look. Uh, the struggle that many of you have faced of not being able to conceive or carry a child to full term, the pain of childbirth, to be a mother is a call to suffer. That is a great blessing. It's a call to suffer, though, not just at the beginning of life with birth, but during. Simon said to Mary, Jesus' mother, the woman of all women appointed to be the mother of our Lord Christ Jesus. Simon said, prophesy, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul. Luke 2, 34 through 35. Considering the sufferings that you might be going through or have gone through as a woman or as a mother, consider the faith of Mary. Consider what she watched her son go through. Mothers suffer when children are born. Mothers suffer when children leave, run away, deny the faith, move out. Mothers suffer when children die. Mothers suffer when their children are foolish. Proverbs 10, 1, a wise man makes a father glad. A foolish son is a grief to his mother. Another layer of suffering in a mom that I saw for many years in my household was when foster mothers loved little ones like their own and then watched them be moved out of their home and care. To be a mother is a call to suffer. But to suffer for what? It's not a call to suffer for nothing, but instead the perfect sovereign rule and purposes of God. Godly women stand on the sovereign rule and will of God over their suffering. My life belongs to you, my home, my marriage, my children, my grandchildren. My, my body, my health, our money, it belongs to you. I hope in, I trust in you. And when that is happening, then you can join the Proverbs 31 woman in verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Godly woman walks confidently, not in herself, not in her circumstances, but in her God, laughing at the time to come because she knows and trusts in the one who ultimately controls how it goes. She doesn't need to fear the frightening. She rests in the sovereignty of God. She considered him faithful who had promised, Hebrews eleven eleven. Church, God's promise is life eternal, redemption, a renewed heart, a restored relationship with the King of Kings. I, I have sat with many of you through hard suffering, and what is awesome is to see a faith and a hope in God take you through, bring you through and emerge you in a way where you had to be leaning on Christ as your power, as your motivation to provide you the ability to trust him, not begrudgingly, but joyfully. 
I praise God for these victories and where they need to happen today and on and moving forward. I pray they do. As we look to God's word to instruct us and then to lead us. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you you stand guilty before the holy God standard because you don't have a representative, you don't have a mediator. The good news of the gospel is that the holy God sent his only son, holy and perfect and without sin, who died a sacrificial, costly death in the place of many so that we could be forgiven and adopted and made new, given the spirit of God to no longer live for our sin and self, but for him. And when the Lord gives you saving faith, you will see your sin and it will be gross to you. And you will long to know the Lord and grow in the Lord and live for the Lord. If this is you today, will you share with someone who's a regular part of our church? It doesn't have to be someone with a special hat on. A man or woman who's a faithful member of this church would love to be blessed with you raising a hand, asking a question. I think this is me. Can we talk about that? You pray with me so we could walk that out with you. What a joy. May it be so. You would repent and believe in Jesus alone and be saved. May you know what it is to hope, not in fleeting things, but in the everlasting God. To know what it is to face hurts and trials and to get to draw near to Christ and to his church and not to go at it alone. May we hope in God. May we stand on his promises and trust his perfect will to be done. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this day, uh, for this time in your word, this opportunity to study, to grow, to be reoriented to these truths that you are at work in us. And I, I really, truly pray for brothers and sisters here that whatever conviction the Spirit is bringing about, they would not in these moments or the moments to come find a way to just stuff them away and just get back to temporary stuff, to think about a ham at home or a poolside enjoyment this afternoon, but to embrace these big things, these testimony things, these life-altering things that we would do business with it. You would help them to raise a hand to, for the ladies to, to lean into a trusted, mature sister in Christ or a group of sisters and, hey, this is genuinely where I'm at. Will you help? brothers to do that as well with each other that we could run the race together to practice the one another's pursue you with our lives we thank you god for your grace and your love and your work in us ground us on christ our rock our redeemer in all these things not just today but every day you give us under the sun until you take us home be glorified in us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.